and welcome to the Hand in Hand show where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcasts. This is Cam, your host. If you are a survivor interested in stem cell treatment and want to make it available faster, we have a message for you at the end of this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hand in Hand show. This is Cam, your host for today. I'm here with Frank Clemens. Frank works as a sales coach with Dell. He was an avid biker, and years ago, when biking, he had an accident and he suffered a head injury, which led to a stroke. Otherwise, Frank is very strong and healthy. Frank has been closely following the stem cell trials including the one led by Stanford doctor Gary Steinberg. Stem cell therapies are offering a lot of hope, and there are many Americans who are willing to pay to get into these trials, but could not get in despite their willingness and ability to pay. Welcome, Frank. I'm excited to hear your story. I'd like you to tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe just the history and all of this. That sounds good. So, yes, I was actually biking alone on January 2nd, 2015. I've been an avid cyclist for many years and having a young son, it's much better for me to bike alone. That way I can get in and out and back to my family much quicker. On the day that my accident occurred, I was on a routine ride and I went down a very steep hill that I've been down more than 50 times before. And on this day, the force of gravity pulled me into the lane of oncoming traffic on a blind turn. At that time, a car was coming at me head on. I was coming at the car. And instead of hitting the car, I chose to turn my bike quickly to the right. And in doing so, I crashed face first into a rock wall. Upon impact, I had both a brain injury and a stroke. I was knocked out and the motorist that I dodged stopped and called 911 immediately. The first responders arrived. They did not think they could help me soon enough. So they summoned a life flight helicopter to take me to the trauma center. When they got me to the trauma center, they had no idea what to do with me. They didn't know the extent of my injuries, so they made a decision to put me in a drug-induced coma. It's called incubation, so they could determine the, all of my injuries. And during the incubation period, that was my toughest point of my injury because at that time, they didn't know if I was going to survive or not. The left side of my body was paralyzed. They didn't know why that had happened. They found that one of my arteries was entrapped at the base of my skull. So upon impact, this artery crashed through the skull lining. It got tangled and twisted, and that's when the blood supply to my brain stopped and caused the stroke. Eventually, this artery opened back up, and blood continued to my brain. Unfortunately, there was considerable damage done in the form of a stroke. My stroke is considered low brain. And low brain means motion and physical abilities are the most hindered. 
I still have my memories, my cognitive functions, and my personality. For three weeks in ICU, the biggest concern was the entrapped artery. And the doctors fell into three categories. Some of them said, let's operate immediately. The other group said, let's wait and see. And the last group was that I would not survive this. It's best that I have my affairs in order. And luckily for everyone, the second group won out. That is the wait and see doctors. And as the time went by, the imaging showed the artery was getting better. It was healing. And so after three weeks in ICU, with the artery being in better shape, they moved me to an inpatient rehab facility to start my physical and occupational rehabilitation. I was in that hospital for a month, and I made miraculous improvements. Most stroke patients are only in the hospital for a week to two weeks. My progress was so great, they were able to justify me staying there for a month, which was good. At the end of the month, I was discharged and sent home. When I came home, I was in a wheelchair, and I started working with a home-based health team to work on my left hand and left leg. So occupational therapy for my left arm and physical therapy for my left leg. That has continued, and when my health care benefits for home therapy ran out, I started going to an outpatient facility where I am still a patient today. And actually, this Thursday will be my final appointment. And the reason for that is the therapy team has concluded that anything I can do at the therapy hospital, I can do on my own. Right now, I have about 30% use of the left side of my body. I have to walk with a brace on my left leg to make sure my foot and ankle stays at a right angle. I've had two stem cell therapy treatments in Mexico, and I'm scheduled for a third at the end of January. I am not satisfied with my healing. I believe the therapy team has done all that they can. I am not where I want to be. There's still a lot more healing to happen. I really do have a strong belief in stem cell therapy, in particular, what the Stanford team is having success with. So that is a condensed version of my story with what I've told the team so far. What questions do you have? That's a great story. But yes, this Stanford study is really exciting because they're in their second phase now. But again, they only took 156 patients into that study. And it'll still be about a year before we hear anything about that and before they hopefully start a third phase with even more people. But you found a way kind of around it by going to Mexico I want to know how you felt after your first treatment. Well, what happens is I I went to the Novastin Clinic in Tijuana. They are known for treating and healing hockey legend Gordy Howe. And when I saw his video on YouTube, I thought, you know, I really need to check this out. Um, Once I provided them with all my medical records, they told me that I would be a good fit. The one thing I want to say about Novastim is they never made any extravagant promises. 
they wanted to let me know that only one out of every three patients that has their treatment has any response at all. And so going into it, I had, I had low expectations. I was also talking to another person in Canada who's had their treatment. Her name is Natalie. She has the same kind of stroke with side paralysis like I have. I am right-handed and my left side was afflicted. She's the opposite. She's right-handed and her right side was paralyzed. And after talking to her is when I made the decision to go ahead with the Novastem treatment. They injected two kinds of stem cells. Uh, they did one, the first day is via lumbar puncture, so it goes to treat the central nervous system. And the next morning, I had a second treatment that was done intravenously, and that was from a muscular tissue. And after the first treatment, I realized about a 15 to 20% improvement over my physical and mental abilities. This did not happen until about the four and a half to five month mark after the treatment, okay? So I wasn't what the clinic calls a miracle patient where they give me one injection and I get everything back. Of course, that's what I wanted and prayed for. It did not happen. September of 2016 was my first treatment. And it was much later in the year towards December or January before I realized anything happened good. And I had enough uplift that I went for a second treatment. That second treatment happened in May of 2017. Now, unfortunately, they did an identical treatment at the Tijuana Clinic. And unfortunately, after the second treatment, I only realized about a 5% improvement. I had a conference call with the team after six months of the treatment, and they determined that I would not be eligible for a third treatment. I was disappointed. The truth is that they were honest with me, and they could not justify a third treatment after only a 5% improvement. But you're going for a third treatment now. I did. I found another hospital in Los Cabos, Mexico called Stem Aid, and they use embryonic stem cells. Novastem okay. injected me with enhanced stem cells from young donors. And the embryonic stem cells that StemAid uses have been taken from a bioplast of a fertilized human embryo, okay? Now, one thing that I'm adamant about is I will not have a treatment that results in a compromised human embryo, okay? And I vetted this with them heavily. The embryo that they used they pulled the cells from the bioplast, and the embryo was then refrozen to be kept for the family that had it fertilized. And this, the bioplast tissue grows new stem cells every three to four days. And they've been using this bioplast for more than 10 years, all right? Embryonic stem cells are known as pluripotent, that means they can cure up to seven or more different diseases or enhanced stem cells. The first ones I got can only cure up to three. So when I go to the stem aid clinic in late January, I will be given 18 injections over 21 days. 
Now these injections will be done intravenously, not through spinal tap. So I'm skeptical about what can happen. The clinic tells me that they have treated more than 500 stroke patients, and the only ones that did not have a success were those that were in their 70s and 80s, years old that is, and those that were more than five years post-stroke. I'm 51 years old and I'm not quite three years post-stroke, so they have some hope that they can help me. I find this interesting. How did you find these clinics? Okay, Novastim was published on YouTube. They've got quite a bit of uh, publicity, especially after they healed Gordy Howe. He had his injections when he was deep into his 80s, um, and that was, that was covered very well in the media. And that's how I found them. Now, so far as StimAid goes, I have been digging on the internet for stem cell clinics, and I've found many worldwide. I'm choosing to go in Mexico because I don't have the travel issue. For example, I found a clinic in Belgrade, Serbia that was willing to treat me, but the, the issue is getting to Belgrade, Serbia is a lot more difficult than going to Mexico. So when I find the clinic, I start doing the research. I dig, I look on the internet, I look to interview people that have already been there. I really do my homework. And that homework is no guarantee that I'm going to have success. My biggest issue and my biggest driving force is I am 51 years old. I have a four-year-old son. And accepting the rest of my life, I'm going to be disabled and I'm going to be less of a father and less of a person is unacceptable. And I have not had any luck whatsoever applying for a clinical trial. And I can speak about that if you'd like me to as well. Absolutely. Sure. So the video of Sylvia Kuntz is very well known. And I saw that and I saw the interview with Dr. Steinberg. And I applied for a clinical trial. Now, the Stanford Clinic gets their stem cells from a company called SanBio. I contacted SanBio also and they put me in touch with the University of California, San Francisco. So I applied to both of the hospitals for their clinical trials and I was turned down. I had done all the paperwork, I gave them all my medical records and they didn't tell me why I was turned down and that's okay because I understand that of the hundreds or even thousands of patients that apply, they only take a small number. And I also apply, I understand that getting into a clinical trial is not a negotiation. The information goes to a research team, and that research team is looking for a very specific subject group that I did not fit into. So after I was turned down twice, I went to my neurosurgeon in Dallas, who's nationally known, and I reached out to him and I said, you know, do you know Dr. Steinberg? And he came back and said, why, yes. I see Dr. Steinberg twice a year at medical conferences. I know him very well. And my neurosurgeon agreed to write a letter to Dr. Steinberg on my behalf, which he did. And that letter got me in touch with the research team. And we started again with the research team. And 
again, I was turned down. And this time I got more information because I had been emailing with them. And they said the fact that I had had both a stroke and a brain injury disqualified me or the brain injury disqualified me because for the test group, they were looking for stroke only. All right. So as discouraging as this was, I don't have any control over that. And that's when I decided, you know, I'm going to have a third treatment. I'm going to find another practice other than Novastim because I'm not going to wait. It could be three, five, 10 years before Dr. Steinberg's solution is commercially viable. And to me, that's unacceptable on every level. We know that it works now. We know that it's helped heal people now. And people like me and, and, and thousands of others are just stepped waiting. I've got a lot of problems with that, I have to tell you. What do you see that might be missing in today's stem cell trial process in the U.S.? Well, one of the things that is not happening is there's not enough medical centers like Stanford that are involved right now. So the Stanford system, I think their second phase has been expanded to, I think, five or six other medical centers across the country, all right? which is good because there's more getting involved. But instead of, you know, six medical centers, why not 50 or 60? That way, people like me that are left waiting, you know, there may be another solution. And I will tell you, one of the things that I'm adamant about is my neurosurgeon in Dallas and his team are world-renowned. I've even put it to them. I'm like, look, guys, here's what I'll do. I will pay for the surgery. I'll pay for the stem cells. This is a very, very medically simple procedure. You know Dr. Steinberg. Let him tell you how, what he does. And you know, this, this system is even on the internet. There are videos of Dr. Steinberg talking exactly about what he does. That I believe that any really good neurosurgeon could do this. And I have literally begged my team in Dallas, look, I'll raise the money, I'll pay for the stem cells, let's do this. And they say no. Did they give you a reason that they're saying no? Well, they say that it's not within their practice to do this, okay? They do a lot of things, or this kind of surgery, this kind of treatment, is not part of their trade craft. And that's why they've declined my offer. And they've declined it multiple times because about every three months I hit them again and say, look, and look, even if you don't want to do it, give me a maverick neurosurgeon, either in the country or out, that you know will take this case. And they don't tell me anything, sadly. So do you think they don't tell you anything because they don't know anyone? Or do you think that they're not telling you because they think that maybe it will hold them liable? No, I, I think it's a liability issue. I mean, I can respect that they don't want to do anything outside the bounds of their practice. The truth is all these guys know each other. And I yeah. know that because when I had my artery damage, the team here in Austin had no idea how to treat me. And these are neurosurgeons that have been cutting for 30, 35 years. 
and they literally texted the imaging to their other neurosurgeon buddies. And the response back was, we've never seen this level of artery entrapment. We don't know. So, yeah, I do. I think they know people. I was, because the team in Austin didn't know how to treat me, they sent me to the guys in Dallas. And the guys in Dallas looked at it and said, look, it's risky. We can do it. We have a solution for you. And they did. They stabilized my artery. And I know someone else can do this simple surgery and do the stem cell injections on the damaged tissue in my brain. And I will pay for that tomorrow. I'm, I'm ready to go anytime I can find that doctor that says, yes, I will do this. It's on. I haven't found him yet. That's very true. What makes the least sense in that? What makes the least sense to me is they have had success. They can prove their success. And we can see videos of their success. And that's not enough to expedite the process. That's, that's my biggest frustration is, you know, we're going into phase two. It started with 18, the first test, the first group was 18 patients, chronic patients, females only. And I'm, I'm excited that it's, that is, is gone to 156. That's wonderful. The sad thing is some of these 156 are going to get a placebo. All right. And I'm not interested in a placebo. There's a clinic in Houston or a, a, a stem cell trial in Houston. The only risk of that is being in the placebo group. No way. There's no way in the world I would even think about that. The frustration is the success has been proven and we're all in wait and see mode because of the bureaucracy, because of the government, and because of a lot of external factors that are just in the way. That's my frustration. But I take it from what you're saying, you're not giving up. And that's a great thing that you have going for you that you're, it doesn't sound like you're going to give up until you get your answer. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So do we know why there can't be a program that if you have people who are willing to pay or able to pay for these clinical trials, why can't we set something like this up to accelerate the research process? We need to put more pressure on other research schools like Stanford to get involved because this is working. And stroke is such a debilitating condition. There are literally thousands of people that need a solution. The latest podcast of Dr. Steinberg, what's interesting to me is the damaged brain tissue is not permanently destroyed, it's dormant. And with the stem cell therapy, he can literally wake up this dormant tissue. And that's very exciting to me. I don't know what the answer is moving forward. I do believe that the more we protest this and get the word out on social media and put pressure on other teaching hospitals, I think we're going to have more people get involved in perhaps a solution, if not for this generation, for the next one of stroke patients. What words of wisdom do you have for our listeners in regards to this? I'm not sure if I have anything exceptionally profound 
one of the things that keeps me going is my faith. So I've, I've got a lot of uh, prayer for me. And I have a very, very strong um, team of support, both with my friends, my coworkers, through my church. I've literally got an army of people to help me. And, and I'll tell you, um, in regards to that, I missed my 30-year high school reunion because I was bedridden, okay? And once my classmates found out about what was going on, they had a fundraiser for me in Dallas that became a makeup reunion for me. And we raised enough money to pay for this third round of stem cell therapy for me. We will likely have another fundraiser here in Austin in the spring. So I would really tell everyone, your network is bigger than perhaps it seems. And I have received support prayers and cash donations from people that you know, I have, haven't seen in 30, 35 years. And even 30, 35 years ago, I wasn't great friends with them, all right? They heard about my case and my situation, my injury, and they were willing to help. And I would tell everyone, don't give up, keep praying, uh, keep looking for other survivors. I was introduced to Daniel through a friend of mine, Bill, and Bill actually donated to me a $5,000 piece of medical equipment to help stimulate my left leg when I could not get funding for it. Or through Bill, I met Daniel, and I pledged to Daniel that I will do anything possible to get the word out there to help and to drive these initiatives forward. Is there anything else you would like to tell survivors? I was told early on that this is about how much return I'm going to get in. When I say return, return of the left side of my body, return of my brain. And I found out that most of the healing happens in physical and occupational therapy. All right. And physical therapists and occupational therapists have told me that as long as I'm trying new things, as long as I'm exercising, as long as I'm challenging my brain, return can happen. I'm not giving up. And I'm going to keep finding ways to challenge myself because it's not acceptable to be left with the level of the lack of return that I have. So I would say try new things and keep fighting. Keep fighting every day, every minute, and get the support you need. Yeah, the thing that is unacceptable to me is doing nothing. That's one of the things the, the hospital team didn't understand about me. They always told me, they said, Frank, you don't act like a stroke patient. And I said, well, what does a stroke patient look like? And they said, stroke patients give up. When I was in inpatient rehab, I was the youngest person there by at least 25 years. And I worked as hard as I could. I just refused to give up. I refused to hear the word no. And, you know, to be creative, to keep looking and finding ways to help. Frank, thank you so much for being here with us. Um, I truly appreciate it. And I appreciate you kind of educating us on what you've been through and, and the stem cell process that you've gone through. 
maybe sometime after you've had the third treatment, come back and tell us how you feel about that treatment. Absolutely. Stroke Focus is now working to collect stories around stem cell trials by all stroke and TBI survivors. The breakthrough finding by the Stanford research team overturned assumptions around stroke. We believe the day will come when stroke and TBI survivors could recover dramatically beyond today's normal expectation or even be cured. However, research and medical processes as we know today need fundamental change to allow this to happen. Let's get our voices together and drive changes. To our friends who identify with this mission, especially those who have an interest in stem cell trials, we would like to make a podcast for you that is easy to share on social media. Write to us at contact at strokefocus.net. No one knows better than we do what it is like to live with this injury. Your story will make a difference.